Welcome to Empathy Always Wins. This is Ali Salama, and I am really excited to be presenting to you the world's youth and leadership. Did I just say youth and leadership? The world's youth leadership and wellness slash mental health podcast, whereby we just dive into issues, not really issues, we just dive into conversations that really stimulate us. And I truly believe every conversation here that, you know, that makes it to this show and that makes it on air is a conversation that, you know, I wish perhaps when I was a little bit younger, I had or... I was stimulated by, you know, a thought process that maybe would have made me thought, you know what? Yeah, I would have done very well with that. I mean, I'm a book geek and I really love podcasts because they allow me to feel a little bit more intimate and deep. You know, sometimes you can really feel energy. And I feel that when I record these, at least before I put them out, I ask myself, am I in the right place to put something out for someone to listen to Uh, because if I'm not then there's no point this lives on forever and you know you might think it puts a little bit of pressure on me but this is how I check in with myself to know that this is something that uh, you know you put a check mark on yes it serves the purpose of why we created this show and it's not a fulfilled deadline and it's something I live by so This episode is actually going to be an interview of me back in February 2020. It was actually recorded on February 8th on a show that no longer exists. So I thought of sharing it with you. Uh, The show is called The Curious Leader. And um, I thought it was a very good episode and I'd love to share it with you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um... And it's such a new way of introducing an episode, but uh, feel free to send me your feedback. Um, And it's absolutely crazy to see how uh, one person can develop uh, in a span of, I believe, 10 months. Um, This is a little bit about me uh, when I got interviewed earlier on this year, and I really hope you enjoy it and can take something out of it. So that being said, let's dive deeper into this episode. All right. I am super excited to have a very special guest. His name is Ali Salama. He was born in Cairo. He's an artist, entrepreneur, and mental health ambassador with a former career in professional swimming. But then he decided to focus on his mental health, writing, and music. His team founded EmpowerMag.com, the first mental health magazine in the Middle East, winning Harvard's top seven most impactful social initiatives in 2019 and earning recognition from the World Health Organization. He hosts the podcast Empathy Always Wins, the world's exclusive youth leadership podcast focusing on empathy and community building. He currently resides in Toronto, and his main goal this year is to be the Global Mental Health Ambassador. So, Ali, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, Jesse, for having me. Yeah, I am super privileged because over the past few weeks, I've done some extensive, fairly extensive research on you. You have quite an interesting background, considering that you were a athlete before, a professional athlete. And then now you're focusing your efforts and your energy on um, the world's focus on mental health. So I wanted to just start off with that. 
can you start off with yeah. how you got into the mental space, the mental health space? Um, that's great. Um, so how I got into the mental health space was, it's kind of crazy. I actually say that, um, again, I'll, I'll, uh, I know we spoke about this a little bit off the record, but yeah. it's funny how everything just happened in one year. And uh, typically, so in, what do I mean by that? I mean that I, we started, first of all, it was a personal experience that drove this. This isn't, this is out of a very deep and personal struggle where, you know, I was considering a lot uh, of self-harm and suicidal thoughts at one point in my life. Mm. Um, after a phase of thinking I was kind of like, you know, this alpha macho masculine male mm. type of figure uh, because of uh, me reaching heights and in, in my professional career. And I was a swimmer and, you know, typically swimmers, we, I, I would, I would train 11, uh, not 11, 10 times a week. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, we wake up 4 a.m. It was that type of life. And that was me all the way from grade two to grade 12. So you you, you sort of develop that sense of sort of self-confidence. But you almost think I never believed in mental health before I before I, I got diagnosed. Um, but 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 I'd like to just sort of jump back a little bit because I decided to start Empower Magazine um, from my bedroom here in Toronto on the 1st of March, 2019. Mm. And this is as, as of the date of our recording right now, we're February 28th, 2020. We're like three days away from that. And it's absolutely crazy mm. to think that, um, at the time that I was launching the magazine, learning how to like code WordPress and, and knowing how to, you know, structure everything together, I would have not thought in a million years I would be the person I am today speaking on the largest, you know, platform, uh, youth era platform in Canada and being just uh, on, on a phone call with the Harvard Arab Conference today with, with, with an opportunity to, to hopefully speak and not become a team lead volunteer empowering some of the smartest minds in the world. And I just want to say that this message is is, is powerful in the sense that it's way bigger than myself because mm. many people um, go through the struggle that, that I personally went through. Um, and it's not, my story isn't unique at all. I think what really makes this story unique was the comeback and, 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 the, and the feeling that, you know, this is not the end when it feels like that. Got it. Wow. So did you initially want to be a professional athlete was this something that your parents or your friends or your peers that pushed you to do that or yeah talk about that transition from the swimming world to the mental health yeah um i actually didn't i i i hated swimming mm. i uh, my mom i was a very high energy type of guy and so actually the day i didn't swim i would cause a lot of problems at home mm. and so my mom actually forced me to swim when i was younger and subsequently i became very talented because you know, my mom always says, Ali, you're, you're, you're someone that always likes to be wow in whatever you do. Mm. And she always would tell me, Ali, you, you like, you love to shine. And I think that that was why I became good at swimming, not necessarily because I liked it, but mm. necessarily because it was something that I was forced to do and I had no other option but to really be good at it because I hated not being in control of um, not feeling that I can be good at something that I was going to do anyway. So I might as well do it to my best and feel like I'm, I've accomplished something. And that really developed, of course, subconsciously the, the winning sort of mentality or the competitiveness, as you say, because I wasn't ever the sort of person to succumb to anything that would uh, that I was forced to in my life, like mm. moving to 
Canada, for example, I I, I, I needed to be here because I, I knew this country was going to give me a great opportunity and applying for the citizenship. Um, and it's just because of my dad. I could have gone to the UK because I was I, I was always been a British curriculum school. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the thing that I learned as a leader right now is and being a leader, you actually, you are a leader before you are a leader as a follower. It's that sense of accountability mm-hmm. that I had when I was younger, knowing that, okay, maybe I don't have the choice right now. But one day, when I do have the choice, I'll make sure that I don't do this. But I didn't know at the time, in hindsight, that that gave me so much power and knowing that I can, I can't control what I can do right now, but I can take ownership and I can actually do it to the best of my ability. And that transferable skill set, that mindset, was then implemented in everything that I ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you don't necessarily you you won't take that time back. You don't regret your years that you've poured into the swimming world. Not at all. My mom was actually uh, me and my mom were talking like a, a week back, and she was like, "Ali, remember when you told when I told you one day you will thank me?" Because I used to wake up in like five a.m. And, and like scream and and like cry to her. I'm like, "Why do you do this? <laughs> yeah. Why are yeah. you being so like like strict and like why?" Because I I would want to sleep, you know. She would wake me up with like sometimes a cup of water and like you know like Ali, this is it. You're, you're gonna come down. I'm waiting for you down. And if you weren't, my mom was. It was a was a primary school teacher, so so mm. we had like very strict like punishments if I didn't do things. So that was, like, yeah. Um, so again, I, I don't regret it at all, and I thank her right now because when I look at myself and I look at other people, the only reason why I am where I am is uh, because of that um, accountability and all the factors that we've just discussed in the last couple. Mm, mm, yeah. Was it a particularly difficult pill to swallow when you told your friends or family that you were switching from? being a professional athlete to being becoming a mental health ambassador were they were there questions about what that actually meant for you what does that look like from a day-to-day perspective how was that transition when you were telling your your peers about it it's funny because um in in, in retrospect uh, actually no one knew that that happened um and i'll tell you how because when i moved to canada mm-hmm. i uh, first of all i moved here when i was 17 my coach had died um back home and I decided that I wasn't going to um, to just swim. It wasn't something that I, I had to tell anyone. I was just, you know, part of the change and a part of the transition was just me not deciding to do whatever. And at the time, I just never knew that I was going to be a freaking mental health ambassador. And I say that because sometimes things happen in life. And when you feel a very um, strong and powerful urge, a call to action, you feel deeply about something, the environment, something you care about, and you're seeing people not fully utilizing their voice in the way you believe you can utilize yours. Mm-hmm. That's when you know that's your calling, and that's when you know you just have to take the step further, the step um, forward, and, and and take that on yourself, and then build a team. But of course, I had never actually made that transition initially, as per your question, because I actually never thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would be an ambassador. And in fact, I actually have a, a CrossFit um, L1 trainers um, certificate. Uh, I don't know what we're even meant to call, but it's. I was always gonna wanting to be someone that wanted to empower other people, whether it was through mental health or whether it was through whatever, because I always saw that helping people and my emotional side was 
the most um, predominant side of me, which is why I actually struggled a lot moving in that culture shock because I had no one to share my life with. I, I found it very hard to navigate here. And as a man, we don't think that we need like connections and we think that, oh, like mm. me coming here when I was 17, I could do this. I, I, I swam in this, I swam in that. I, I'm, I'm so confident in myself. But until you realize your innate needs as a human being mm. that everything else, no matter who you are, Prince Harry, whatever, you, no matter how much wealth you have, you will su- suffer if you do not serve your human um, your human instinct mm. and that connection yeah yeah so when it comes to mental health what are some of the predominant issues that you see today especially for our generation the younger generation I'm sure social media is, is being talked about a lot the negative impacts of that what else are we dealing with right now and what are some steps that we can take to proactively address those yeah, that's a really good question. Um, very, very, very good question. Well, men are dealing with a big, big, big problem of uh, vulnerability, and women are dealing with a big, big, big problem, which is self-image, like body image stuff. And uh, I think that when we look at, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, like, looking at it from a very high-level um, sort of analysis, not, that's not pertain to every single man and woman but this is the what 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 we majority what we for the majority of the purposes this is what we struggle from men mm-hmm. aren't um, aren't feeling comfortable feeling vulnerable expressing themselves in a time where you know self-expression is at its absolute optimum through social media tiktok whatever all the kids out there are making incredible content on youtube whatever and women are feeling that of course that they're targeted by all those you know great looking bodies and unfortunately that set an, a false sense of idealistic standard and uh, we, we fall prey to that because of uh, really big budgets spent and agendas that really do not serve the bigger the bigger the bigger purpose and mm. technically that's that's what's causing a lot of issues as well as of course the intergenerational um, uh, uh, gap we have never seen the change uh, we have never seen a gap so large mm-hmm. between families, between generations, between mothers and kids in such a short period of time. And what that means is that in 10 years, technology revolutionized the way we communicate, the way we live life. And that rapid transformation has never been so rapid in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. We interact differently. We live differently. We be we, we search for relationships differently, whether it be Tinder or like really probably decent web, like other websites. Mm-hmm. Um, we have options that we've never had and we do not need to be in front of people 24-7 and things aren't like they used to be before. So if you were born in the 1960s and, and you had to live through the 1990s, it was relatively the same. Of course, the technological advancements had their own, you know, impact on your life. But it was nowhere compared to being born in the 2000s and 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 living in the 2014, 2013, growing mm-hmm. up as a teenager. That that growing up here versus growing up there was completely different, and that causes a lot of disconnect between parents because it's so hard to be empathetic, to be understanding of mm-hmm. people's struggles and needs because with all the technological advancements, now kids are experiencing a totally different world that our parents experienced as kids growing up that wasn't so different from their parents growing up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. 
even if we had a phone call, even if we, even if our parents or my mom had a phone call or like a, a, a telephone in her house, her mother may not have had a telephone. Her mother may have had like some sort of other way of communication, but it was never as vast as a WhatsApp that could reach to you instantly mm-hmm. and group you could be part of that can completely change the way you you feel 24-7 with anxiety and all these things. You know, things were accessible in our parents' day and age, but they weren't transformational in the same way that they are right now. And that's causing a lot of issues because, as we know, we love to be heard, seen, and loved and connected. And this is taking a lot of our attention. And unfortunately, the divide between us and our parents, mm. not having that sense of understanding, creates a lot of pain. Mm. That is sim- yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the change is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's already happening. How do we go about addressing that? Is it just a matter of being, I think, to alluding to your podcast, Empathy Always Wins? Is that what your message is about? Talk about that yeah. podcast as well. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Um, when I uh, w- went to speak at the World Health Organization, when I had the internship at RBC, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually in July, I, I, I graduated. Well, I finished school in May. Uh, I had an internship till September. In July, I found myself being invited to the World Health Organization. And, and that March in mm-hmm. 2019, I just founded the Middle East Mental Health Magazine. And that was a huge bump. Uh, I'll get I'll get towards why I actually have a show called Empathy Always Wins, but it's, it's very important to understand when things took off, the region didn't support. I did not have a single dollar by any corporation in the Middle East to support mental health. Yes, they said this is a great cause, whatnot. We have to have that. But no one was willing to put dollars into it. And mm. people don't. The advocacy costs money. Mm. Yes, I am an ambassador. But no one told me that as an ambassador, I need to be a great marketer. Because hmm. a great marketer understands their target audience. To be able to be and reach to people's hearts, I needed to be able to understand what they're struggling from. That's what doctors don't do. That's why some, sometimes we may have the best doctors in the world, but still have zero connection with patients because they're great at medicating and, and, and solving people's issues. But the problem is way bigger than a medical problem. It's a social problem. And when you have social problems, you have to have the same stance uh, or the same level of education uh, as when you're having a business problem that needs much more of an in-depth analytical level of insights. And that's what I didn't know I was signing up for as a mental health ambassador. I always say that I never knew that I had to be a great marketer in mm. signing up to advocate for mental health. And what that meant was when I didn't get any dollars and I was accessing the world, some of the most renowned world leaders, I knew that the Middle East, without naming any countries, of course, they weren't going to accept quote unquote mental health, but they were going to accept empathetic leadership. And they were going to accept that empathy always wins as a concept that is maybe a little bit different, but it's a leadership podcast. So I'll I'll digest it. I'm not going to call it mental health because it just gives people chills and they automatically just close and shut their ears. So I called it empathy always wins because I needed to target those global leaders to listen. And, and I don't even mention mental health in the podcast. I talk about having great communities, building great culture and having a, a great quality life with 
and deploying empathetic leadership. And guess what happens when you do that? You automatically have great mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. So you have to really, and as a marketer, first and foremost, this is what I mean by harnessing the power of understanding um, the, the, the landscape as a whole, whether it be in the Middle East, Egypt, Dubai, London, wherever that may be, understand how the market is going, understand what world leaders are, put how they make their decisions. Because even if you believe in something, even if your community believes in something, if the, if the if the person sitting as a chairman on the board who is a decision maker does not believe in it, unfortunately, this is the world we live in. The decision is never going to be made. The check is never going to be written. So you have to talk in their language and walk their walk. Mm, mm, mm. So it requires an extreme amount of self-awareness, but also awareness of your audience, understanding your audience. That reminds me, it's very strategic that you did not include the words mental health. Is that also because there's this stigma towards mental health currently, especially probably in the Middle East and maybe uh, more a lot across the globe, but I think in the US it's getting more open, we're more open to that idea, but can you talk about the stigma and how we become less um, against and less defensive towards this idea? Yeah, that's a really good question, Jesse. Um, kudos uh, on you for that. Um, you know, in, in a country like Dubai, for example, they have a happiness minister. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, they do have the, mini- the um, um, happiness minister. What's a happiness we- minister? The happiness minister is the person is, is I think she's a woman right now. Like, don't quote me on that. Yeah. Uh, but also yeah. don't cut it out of the podcast because I, I may be wrong. I may be right. Um, but she or he or they are responsible for making sure that consumers are happy um, in the way that like they give people living in Dubai from a consumer standpoint and from a business standpoint, employees rights. And, and, and you know what, that's just like a wellness minister, but until we have the audacity and I don't critique Dubai at all. In fact, I love the UAE, but until we have the, I, I, like I, I, at one point I have friends and I, I used to stay there for a while until we have the audacity to start calling these titles mental wellness, and mental health, this is where we will open the conversation because many people don't even know what mental health means. Mm. Many people don't even know that they have mental health. Mm. Mental health is health. Mental health is something that everything has. Mental illness is what some people do not have. And mental illness is what everyone is susceptible towards. And that is the concept I never understood before I started my advocacy work, is that one in five people around the world are struggling from a mental illness. That is a that is a disease that disrupts the way they function cognitively. And by cognitively, I mean function normally as a normal human being in their life. That's something that disrupts their everyday life, something that they need to adopt, adapt their lifestyle towards, which is quite quite frankly shocking because we're more than a billion people and uh, you know what in a region like the Middle East we have zero data I, when I spoke at the World Health Organization they no one even knows the rate of suicides in the Middle East hmm. it's it's so underreported that you know when someone says a number I I, I typically laugh I'm like you have no what you're saying because it's typically like 100 or 200 times more and I kid you not hmm. what are what does it mean to be mentally healthy? I know you touched upon that it doesn't disrupt, like you may have mental illness if it disrupts your lifestyle, but for people like you and me 
we those are maybe the extreme cases but i know what's prevalent today is things like depression you mentioned suicide amongst the younger generation i'm from south korea and south korea has one of the highest suicide rates as well can you talk about suicide any other mental health problems that are prevalent today and how we can address those yeah that's a really good question um again what is mental health mental health is a spectrum you know um we're not always going to be mentally healthy, just as we're not always going to be in best physical form, right? Mm-hmm. You sometimes put on weight, you sometimes lose weight. And the difference is that I like to really sort of tell people um, that love to know a little bit more about mental health. It's kind of like there's a big scene happening in the, in the world, you know, life coaching and coaches and like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a million, it's a billion dollar business, like the mm-hmm. industry, sorry, um, coaching. That is great. But how do you, again, distinguish a coach from a from a mental health professional. And why I'm saying this on the show is because I feel it's so important for people to understand mm-hmm. because everyone that seeks a coach, I assume, and probably you would assume the same, that they want to live a better quality life, right? Mm-hmm. They want to be mentally healthy. So that's just like the same analogy as me and you going to a trainer, right? We want to look better. We go to a personal trainer at the gym because we want to like have a better physique. But if you got injured in a football tackle, mm-hmm. You sprained your ankle and it's severely sprained, like you can't walk on it. Will you go to a trainer or will you go to a physiotherapist? A physiotherapist who's trained on the on the anatomy of the body, who's actually got a degree on that, who spent his his or her life educating themselves on how the body best functions. Hmm. I'm not saying that the personal trainer isn't equipped to do that. Of course, maybe they could have their own self-study and they maybe they could be great. But typically, the difference between a physio and a trainer is the is the same down difference between a life coach and a psychotherapist. In other terms, a, a therapist or a mental health professional. Hmm. And of course, a psychiatrist is someone that who is a doctor that that isn't a social worker. A therapist is a social worker. He's someone that has graduated from understanding how social human beings connect. Mm-hmm. A psychiatrist is someone that studies the neurology of the brain. That is a major distinguishing difference between a psychologist, a psychiatrist, because a psychologist is someone that also could have a doctorate degree, but a doctorate degree in social sciences, right? That is this. That is completely different from being a a a, a, a mere um, life coach because you know this is something a lot of people do struggle from. And how do you how do you how do you your other part of the question? And I hope I'm answering it on the right lines here without kind of going in, in circles around mm-hmm. suicide. Suicide is a big, big, big. I think it's the, one of the leading causes uh, of deaths in, in the world. Um, I, I do believe it's kind of like the third or the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we pre- prevent suicide? First of all, we need to be able to be comfortable talking about suicides, right? Mm. There's a there's a, there's a very um, renowned certification that you can um, that you can first and foremost uh, apply and, and get, and it's kind of like the first uh, mental health first aid certificate. It's called Assist. And what ASSIST is, um, I don't quite know the acronym of ASSIST, Mm -hmm. but it it basically prevents, uh, it helps you to prevent suicidal um, incidents that are more prone to happen during uh, a a mental health crisis. Um, So what is SANS like? Suicide Intervention Skills Training. That is a 
one of the best trainings in the world that can help you intervene during a crisis and, uh, and, and, and help prevent that. But just to really sum up something I learned from my mental health first aid course is that you have to be able to ask someone, hmm. are you thinking of suicide or not? Because that sometimes, and that first and foremost breaks the cycle of someone, even if they say no, and they're thinking about it, you automatically point something out, you can tell in their body language, and everything changes then. But if you start cookie cluttering it, and you know, are you feeling like you're gonna self harm? No, 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 you have to mention the word. And uh, you know what, I, I wish I did the assist, uh, the applied suicide interventional skills training, but I haven't. And I, I, I would love to talk more perhaps on another episode or another time, but I think suicide is something that we need to all pay attention to, because um, you know what, 13 reasons why the show didn't happen just for making money, hmm. it's 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 very evident. The success of Thirteen Reasons Why was due to the same emotions people feel during high school, during adolescence, during hmm. a very hard time where leaders, young promising leaders, have their minds completely in in in, in a state of crisis because of the social pressures that we face now. It, it's hmm. we're not living times like our parents, where it was if you know you weren't drinking, you weren't doing that. Things are right in your face 24-7. And I don't think parents are equipped to deal with that level of, of upbringing, to, to harness and cultivate strong, incredibly strong personalities. And I think that it takes a really incredible person to raise a really incredible um, a, a daughter or son or individual in today's day and age. It's very hard. And that's why empathy mm. as a leader is extremely important because you can't do anything but empower people and offer them open spaces to come up to you and say, hey, dad, hey, mom, this happened. And I don't feel less of less of a man saying that because you made me feel safe. Mm. And what instead of dealing with it myself, I feel that together as a family, we're so strong. And this is what's going to make me a leader tomorrow. Or this is what's going to make me a person that is confident enough to showcase my talents and my skill sets and shine in this world, no matter how you define shining. Mm -hmm. That's that's really good. I, I want to go back to your analogy about when someone's an athlete and they get injured. So do you propose whenever someone goes through a life crisis, for example, a death in the family, a, uh, a loss in the family, a breakup, a divorce, do you recommend folks to seek a psychologist, psychiatrist, in those moments or does do people have different processes do they do people process suffering differently um yeah how how is there a panacea is there a procedure that people should take steps one to three when dealing with life circumstances such as those yeah i think that's a it, it's a question that uh, is very introspective in the sense that people deal with trauma or grief or or incidences that that may be a little bit um, sort of uh, unusual. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. People deal with it differently. So, for example, I had never experienced grief as a mature man, but my granddad died on the on the fifth of January here, on the sixth in Egypt, and he died very instantly. I mean, I was sitting working on my laptop and I get a call from my mom because me and my mom are extremely close and she's probably the source of all the work and the heart that I I, I have and have become. Mm -hmm. She called straight away telling me your granddad just slipped on the stairs. He has internal bleeding and there's probably less than 5% chance that you'll ever see him again and he's bleeding out and he's in the ICU. And I was just numb. 
I did not know how to experience or do what to do. I was just on a call with him the, the week before, and I had just seen him two weeks prior being in Egypt, having a conversation with him. And that made me very, 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 very uncomfortable. Um, mm. But did I see a therapist? Uh, I would say that I have built a great support system. I called one of my best friends and I just blanked out. Um, and I remember because she kept calling me that day asking me, are you all right? Are you all right? And then I was like, hey, I'm going to call you back. Please give me my space. Be sure that if anything, um, I will I will I will ask for help. You see, that is a way I deal with. I deal with that. I dealt with that. But I was someone living by myself and I actually went to see a friend that day as well. And we spoke about it and I felt very much better. Um, and I did not fly back home, even though I was. I, I, the ticket. Um, other people may have felt that they needed to speak to a professional, that they don't feel comfortable talking to people about that. The thing that I want to put out mm -hmm. is that while there is no fit way to deal with grief or trauma, you have to know it's okay to seek professional help. I am a man and so are you. And it is okay to seek help and talk about your emotional well-being because at the moment, mm. the people that are thriving in life are the people that understand that their emotions and their emotional intelligence is the driving force behind their success. Dealing with stress and drinking and, and or even over-exercising like what I did when I was younger, running to the gym before I even went at home mm. after school. I never had a relationship in high school because I was so insecure about my body. But running to the gym, over-exercising, dealing with things in other ways other than actually facing them, that's going to hinder you in your life. So while there is no absolute one fit-for-all solution, mm -hmm. please understand that seeking help mm. is something you never go wrong with. And mm. I'm very honored and glad that I have you know, the World Federation for Mental Health president who is the, one of the most renowned doctors in the Middle East as my mentor who I can pick up the phone and call. But that is no different than anyone in the world listening to this show, thinking that they, uh, because I have that privilege, that they can't also see someone or, 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 or express themselves. It doesn't have to be a therapist. Build your support system if you do not feel that you're comfortable enough seeking support. Mm, mm. support. Yeah, yeah, that's very, that's very valuable advice. I was curious, Ali, just to learn more about you You've obviously accomplished a lot. I believe you're about 24, young 20s. It's awesome that you're grinding. You're, you're such a hardworking person. You're obviously very passionate. I was curious because the podcast is titled The Curious Leader Podcast. How has the theme, the idea of curiosity served you to achieve this quote-unquote success with the Empower Mag, with you being a mental health ambassador? Has curiosity served you in any way in this space? And if so, like how? Yeah, so that's, uh, I, I think Albert Einstein was the person that I, I really admire when he said, uh, I think something around curiosity was, uh, mm -hmm. and, and please quote me on that. I, yeah, I, yeah, he has a few quotes on curiosity. I think it, one of them that, that I remember is, he says something, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I'm not smart, I'm merely curious, or I stick with the questions longer yeah. than other people, something along those lines. Is that what you're thinking about, Ali? 100%, 100%. So I was born on the 16th of September, 1996. Mm -hmm. I'm turning 24, I'm 23 right now. Like, yeah, 23 and a half, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but yeah. I think that age is just a number. I think that 
15 year olds are going to build million dollar companies in, in 10 years. Um, I think that with the data that we have access, when you think of who is actually running platforms and actually utilizing social media to its utmost potential, they're young kids. <laughs> and what does that mean? That means that young kids know how to navigate and read data way better than CMOs of companies that have done this for years. Mm. Uh, that is a mind boggling fact. And what that means is, while I said I'm born on the 16th of September 1996, that means nothing at all. Mm. Uh, absolutely nothing. Um, sorry, what was the second part of your question? Curiosity, right? Yeah. I how, how has curiosity served you thus far in your work in the mental health space? I think what bothered me the most was when I went through what I went through um, and I was diagnosed with clinical depression and, and, and identity crisis, I never heard of this before growing up. You know, I never heard of a family member and I'm pretty sure someone has suffered. And that silence bothered the freaking, I'm not meant to swear, but, but whatever, the freaking <laughs> hell. Um, keep it PG. Uh, and I then decided that if I needed to do something, I needed to ask more questions. I needed to run with questions and I needed to create safe spaces and I needed to really understand something that no one in the freaking region understands. Mm. And as a kid, I knew we had the power that all those adults looking, I don't know, wearing blazers and tux, whatever. I don't care about looks. I never judge someone by their look because we as young kids have so much knowledge and curiosity and data that we're running with things and adults are chasing us. And that's exactly what I, what, what I did. Mm. I ran with questions and I still am running today, um, till this very day. You know, we were just talking about me being at Jack the Ori's head office, having a really funny conversation with the CEO. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm running, I'm running and I'm so happy doing that. And some people are like, Hey, calm down, whatever, you know, <laughs> hi, that's my high. That's my high. I felt mm. when I was so down and so miserable and, and feeling that life was purposeless. And like, I asked myself one question, what would life mean to me? Mm. And that question was answered by me being the person I couldn't point a finger at. It's very cliche, be the change you want to be, see in the world, whatever. That's mm -hmm. so what he said. Yeah, that's like all BS when you're like really struggling with a dark black cloud always looming above your head for more than a year and a half. Mm -hmm. so tell that to someone and you will like, like frick off. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when you start thinking that you really you could, how can I be that person? Okay, I start to, need to start brushing my teeth every day, showering. It starts very funny, and that's how I started. Mm. Showering. Okay, I need to now make sure that I'm eating well. I need to make sure that I am uh, sleeping well, that I am uh, making sure that I drink enough water, that I'm taking care of myself. A lot mm. of times you don't even we forget that self-care is something. So again, what, what I'm meaning to say here, and I don't want to divert, is curiosity started by me asking myself, mm. how the hell can I make sure that before I even start something and helping people out, that I'm, that I'm insanely good. And today, I just like to say that while I'm doing all that I'm doing and it seems crazy to people, I actually have a personal trainer, I have a therapist whenever I need them, and I have a business coach, and I have a mother I'm close to, and I have five extremely close friends wow. that, 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 that I could speak to about anything. And that support system is always something that I made sure to build because I know that this road is so damn tough. 
and anyone that wants to really go somewhere in life hmm. will find a will find the road extremely lonely, extremely tough. And if you can find people like the people that I mentioned who can love you unconditionally, then you are then you are there. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. When you said when you described your your support systems, I was reminded of a quote. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Does that ring true for you? How do you digest that? And what are your opinions on that quote? Um, it's funny because I live my life according to that quote. Mm. I refuse to be around people that uh, have a negative energy. And that doesn't mean that I refuse to be around people that are struggling because not everyone that is struggling has negative energy. We all go through bad times. And unfortunately, people need to understand the difference between having bad energy and, and struggling because that intimidates people when, when typically we say that. I think that it's human to feel off, but it's not human to want to like, dump everything on someone next to you because you feel that that like they sh- you just don't you just don't respect the space you don't respect them and i and you feel good by just misery loves company right mm-hmm. that's the closest mm-hmm. thing i can say and i feel that it takes a certain level of emotional intelligence to understand that if i'm feeling if you're feeling bad if i'm feeling bad i won't lash at you but mm-hmm. i'd say hey i'm actually not good right now and uh if if if, if I'd really appreciate it if we talk in a little bit or if you can give me a little bit of space. I'm really not feeling okay and I and I will be feeling okay. I just need my space right now or um, I something just happened that really is making me furious. Uh, I, I, I just rather we keep an, a, a very low tone at the moment because it will ease my emotional state internally. That's how to deploy emotional intelligence when you're furious inside but you don't want to get it out on someone because unfortunately all the traumas, all the fights at homes, everything happens because we can't contain and we can't control ourselves. And yes, this is more uh, of a leadership characteristics, but as I say in empathy always wins in life and in business, empathy. And that means for self, that sounds for self empathy as well. Mm-hmm. When you are empathetic with yourself, you understand your emotions. And if you understand that you are feeling freaking furious or you're so anxious or whatever, you will take a step and care for yourself or take a step back and understand that you respect yourself. Mm-hmm. And part of honoring yourself, that energy is contagious when you're around people. And I feel that the people that I'm around really do get that. And we all are there for each other. In fact, we go above and first. We go above done being there i had friends of mine that when my granddad died they showed up at my doorstep bringing my favorite food which you know i did not i wasn't answering anybody for a week and that's what i mean by having a sense of uh, a support system and being around people that you can call family because sometimes you don't choose family you really don't sometimes my family members sometimes weren't the ones that i wanted to Mm. but i choose friends call my friends family and those are who lift me up Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ali. I, you did mention that your your grandfather passed away. I I saw a YouTube video that you uploaded titled "I Got Stabbed at 15 Over My First Love," and I saw at the very end you dedicated that speech to your grandfather, which was very moving and and, and touching. Thank you for 
for sharing that. I wanted to talk about public speaking because I feel like you you excel at that and you're very good at it. Do you have any advice for people who are struggling with public speaking and how would you rate yourself from a scale of one to 10 when it comes to public speaking? Um, I'd rate myself uh, as eight. I'm, I'm good, I'm not great. Um, I need to really improve. Um, and by really improve, I mean like I do, I did take a course and I just finished it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the comment. That was at an event uh, in Toronto um, uh, where I shared the story of, I did get stabbed at 15 uh, and that really caused the, the, the self, uh, the body image struggle that I sort of mentioned before mm-hmm. with the gym and whatnot. Um, I was always, I always grew up very self-conscious about my body. And I think that it, just relating to your question, how could some people get better at public speaking? Put yourself out there. Make yourself heard. If you're in class, sit sit in the front row. Put your hand up. Hmm. Ask questions. It starts from having the guts and the courage. And then if, I, if you were my friend, I'll tell you, have the balls to do that, man. <laughs> You're good. You're good. No question is a stupid question. Trust me, if you have a question, the likelihood that 20 people have that same question but don't have the courage to put their hand up, be the person that has the courage. And, you know, I was that person at school. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that I think that because I have 25 percent hearing loss, which, you know, I never sh- probably shared out in public, mm-hmm. I, I always had to sit in front of a class. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in school, I had extra time in exams because of that disorder uh, because of that this like permanent i was born like that um uh, so how do you become a better public speaker make sure to put yourself in leadership roles go to that student organization even if you hate what they're doing try to get involved because you need to have a voice you need to own your voice and when you're vocal about something say your opinion even if it's not well received make sure you appreciate your voice and that's my only and of course getting up on a stage and whatnot that comes second because so many people do leadership do public speaking trainings and whatnot but they don't master the basic fundamentals that is sitting at the front and putting your hands up and that's an analogy actually that's more so than anything Mm, mm. yeah yeah that's good i mean i i asked that also because one of the primary reasons why i started this podcast ali was also because i wanted to improve my public speaking with folks like you conversing so i think that's a very valuable lesson that you've uh you've uh, shared with all of us oh yeah and one thing i want to add is like i I really recommend everyone to have their own podcast it like really doesn't cost much at all and uh and 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 i think that it's a great excuse to network with people and like i hate the word network let's put it like that build meaningful connections with people that have Mm -hmm. the same interests as you and if you're in a region whereby like even if you're in la and and you have like a i don't know a wellness podcast or a mental health podcast Mm -hmm. imagine you being like the master connector in between (laughs) therapists and like when you bring out the best out of them in like harnessing your interview skills just doing a little bit of digging behind them you never know you actually build a network and that is value and you get to practice your public speaking you get to hear fascinating stories and you just get to little be a little bit curious because i think that um in essence we all want to be heard loved and seen Mm. and i think that again you're spot on with that point and i wanted to add that yeah 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 no thank you ali I wanted to start closing out and ask you, Ali, I know you have dreams and aspirations and you're well on track to be the mental health ambassador, especially in the Middle East. But how do you define success in life? Let's say you've come, you you turn 80, 90, 100 years old and you look back at your life. 
how would you define success? What would you, what would you be content with when you look That's back a, at your life? It's such an easy question to answer. Uh, that is that is the definition that I define wealth with, and um, I define wealth with the state of inner, inner not peace but inner fulfillment. Um, you cannot be inner in in inner fulfilled from your inner heart if you're hungry, if you're if if you don't have meaningful connections and if you didn't feel like you fulfilled your utmost potential. So what wealth means to me, I, I'm a sucker to, for, for being a father, you know, right there, as you can see in my office, like kind of behind where, yeah. where I'm at right now, this is my, my vision board. I always wake up and that's the first thing I ever like wake up and read. I want to be the best father in the world. I love my father. Um, but I want to be the best father in the world. And to me being successful means having a great, Family, and I love Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's an, a great um, example. When I watch his Netflix series, um, it's funny because I watched that with the same person that showed up on the doorstep when my granddad died and we binge watched that. Mm. What success means to me is having a third component of your life, mm -hmm. whether with if you, if you go for money and if you go for power and leadership positions, that's good. But you have to do what Ariana Huffington says is a third component. Are you focusing on your thrive? On your focusing on your sense of wonder, your wellness, and your 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 lust for creativity, because that is what makes people quit executive leadership positions when they're forty, because they they haven't they haven't fed their soul. In everything that I do, I cannot work with people I can't call family. Mm. I simply can't. The, the, I I can I I can I can be around people who aren't skillful. But I can't be around people that aren't empathetic and aren't good human beings. Mm. You get what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think very important factor in, 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 in being successful to me, it's, it's of course, develop, wealth for me is, is all spiritual. But what people don't understand, what really bothers me about this day and age is people think that doing good and being some sort of a non-for-profit means that you dedicate your life into some cause and you earn less than people that work on Wall Street and whatnot. So some of the smartest people in my life don't actually do good for a living. Yeah, they maybe donate to a charity or whatnot, but they don't make their life purpose-driven. And that is what my mission is, Ali Salama. I want to bring to the world. I want to bring to the world a message to tell people that you can be some of the wealthiest people in the world by doing good. Because until we send a message out to people, you will get paid just as much as you do good in the world. That message is going to change the world. Mm. Not the message of making more money makes you wealthier. No, doing more good to people makes you wealthier. And if we start thinking of the world and that lens and that eye, God knows where we will be going in the in a future where a lot of people are scared. But I have utmost faith and 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 and, and optimism with where we're going because us youth, we're not standing up for the BS that's happening up up in the corporate world. People like me are losing are are not succumbing to the jobs. People like me are like harnessing the power of their community, their micro communities using a few, 10, 20 people and they're each paying $20. You can have a part-time job and still live a decent quality life in North America. Back in the day, that was impossible. Hmm. So that, that to me is what wealth is. And I know I took a little bit of a, of a shift on that, but I want to make sure that everyone listening to the show understands that it's a mindset and it's not a dollar sum. 
and mm. God knows what. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really good. Any advice for folks, students, people who are interested to be where you are, Ali, someone who wants to advocate mental health right now, people who want to work in this field, any advice for those yeah. folks that are aspiring to be someone like you, Ali? Um, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm always, <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always answering people's DMs. I actually have no, uh, like, uh, no unread DMs. That's something that I make sure oh, wow. that every night do. Uh, that's something I, I get like 40 or 30 a day. Um, but, but, but actually like, let's take it a step back. I don't mean to be a self obnoxious prick here <laughs> and I don't mean one, but Hey, I think if you want to be where I am going, because I'm not actually very like, yeah, I'm proud of where I am, but I don't think where I am is the end all and be all. Sure. I think the better way to rephrase sure. if you want to be on a, the same journey I am on, because I think that's the best way of like putting it into words is to start thinking of how you can add value to other people's lives. I consider myself as a master connector. Whenever I see two people that can fit together, I create a WhatsApp group and I'm like, hey guys, you should meet. And then I just leave the group. That's it. Mm -hmm. When you start adding value and like thinking of what people like that. Yeah, 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 dude, it's, it's simple. I can give you like a, a shit ton of tips, but <laughs> really, it's so simple, man. It's absolutely so simple. We don't think of the simple things that we can do at the tip of our fingers. But karma's karma's never not worked for me. Hmm. And imagine hmm. if I do this because I believe in good karma. Imagine if everyone believed in good karma, what world we'd live in. I mean, it's such an idealistic thought, but that is what I'd offer as advice. Give, 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 and, and really just watch the world uh, and, and give from your heart. Hmm. Give really to something you care and believe in because someday someone's going to show up in your life and you will not be able to imagine the amount of bounty and, and, and generosity that they will just shower you with, whether it's love, affection, whether it's a need that you have in your life. Things work magically. And I, I wish this was something that a, that is a fantasy, but this is reality. And it's been working for me. And I think that this is the way I, I, I refuse to live my life. And uh, this is the way I will only live my life and I refuse to live my life in any other way. But I think people, if you're young, start a group, start a Facebook page, start a Instagram page. Make sure you're not just posting, you're engaging, you're you're asking people, you're voice noting people, you're, you're holding your phone like that clicking on that camera and getting your face into someone's DM in a video format. Why? Because don't let yourself negative thought of, I look bad on camera, get to the main message that is you are asking, you are standing right in front some in front of someone that you could never been in front of because they're 10,000 miles away making a meaningful connection. I think that our egos and our negative self sort of, that negative voice stops us from really becoming our best version. And that is what I would tell everybody. Go out there and when you start thinking of what truly makes your heart sore, hmm. you forget about all the worldly like, like, oh, I look bad today or whatever because you simply don't give a fuck. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Ali, thank you so much. I, I learned so much and I'm sure the audience says as well. I really appreciate your time. No, it's it's absolutely a pleasure. And again, feel free. I'll, I'll be sending my 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 uh, my contact information to you if you'd like to put it in the show notes below. But on that note, I really appreciate you having me on the Curious Leadership Podcast, and I I genuinely send all my prayers and wishes to everyone listening to this. And if you are going through a hard time, if you are 
struggling or if you know someone that's struggling, the only last thing I want to say before we end the show is being there can some can sometimes actually save someone's life by just being there to listen. Mm. Don't try to solve people's problems. Just be there to listen. People are lonelier than ever and all they need is someone that can just pat them on the back and just be silent with. That mm. is extremely powerful and we sometimes neglect that. Mm. But on that note, I wish everyone a lovely, lovely day ahead or a lovely night wherever they are in the world and I'd love to connect with you and please, please, please take care of yourself, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ali.